Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning and they do a great job. Give them a call. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll find out what's new with Boo in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. Seat Motley, the founder and president of Les Government, and my wife Linda, who writes Greetings from Paradise, will be joining us as well. It is October the 26th, and on this day in 1881, the Earp Brothers faced off against the clanton McClory gang in a legendary shootout at O.K. Corral in Tombstone, Arizona. After silver was discovered nearby in 1877, Tombstone quickly grew into one of the richest mining towns in the Southwest. Wyatt Earp, a former Kansas City police officer, worked as a bank security guard in his brothers Morgan and Virgil. The town marshal represented law and order in Tombstone, Tombstone, where they had reputations as being power-hungry and ruthless. The Clantons and McClory's were cowboys who lived on the ranch outside of town and sidelined as cattle rustlers, thieves, and murderers. In October 1881, the struggle between the two groups for control of Tombstone and Cochise County ended in a blaze of gunfire at the O.K. Corral. On the Monday of October the 25th, Ike Clanton and Tom McClory came into Tombstone for supplies. Over the next 24 hours, the two men had several violent run-ins with the Earps and their friend Doc Holliday. Around 1.30 p.m. on October the 26th, Ike's brother uh, Bill, Billy rode into town to join them along with Frank McClory and Billy Claiborne. The first person they met in the local saloon was Holiday, who was delighted to inform them that their brothers had both been pistol-whipped by the Earps. Frank and Billy immediately left the saloon, vowing revenge. Around 3 p.m., the Earps and the Holidays spotted the five members of the Clanton McClory gang in a vacant lot behind O.K. Corral at the end of Fremont Street. The famous gunfight that ensued lasted all of 30 seconds, and around 30 shots were fired. Though it's still debated who fired the first shot, most reports say that the uh, shootout began when Virgil Earp pulled out his revolver and shot Billy Clanton point-blank in the chest, while Doc Holliday fired a shotgun blast at Tom McClory's chest. The wide Earp wounded uh, Frank McClory with a shot in the stomach. Frank managed to get off a few shots before collapsing, as did Billy Clanton. When the dust cleared, Billy Clanton and McClory brothers were dead. Virgil and Moral, uh, Morgan Earp and Doc Holliday were wounded. Ike Clanton and Claiborne had run for the hills. Sheriff John Behan of Cochise County, who witnessed the shootout, charged the Earps and Holiday with murder. A month later, however, a tombstone judge found the men not guilty, ruling they were fully justified in committing these homicides. <laughs> the famous shootout had been immortalized in many movies, of course, including the frontier gunfight at O.K. Corral in 57 and Tombstone in 1993. <clears throat> There was also a a series, a TV series called, I think, Tombstone Territory, if I'm not mistaken. Anyhow, certainly immortalized during our day back when I was a teenager and so forth. Well, Cuyahoga County reported fewer coronavirus cases in the week ending Sunday, adding 173 new cases. That's down about 31% from the previous week's tally, 252. Overall, Florida reported 14,000 564 new cases, down about 23% from the previous week. Florida ranks 49th, that's one from the bottom, and this is good, among the states where coronavirus was spreading the fastest on a per-person basis. A USA Today report analysis of Johns Hopkins University data shows in the latest week, coronavirus cases in the United States decreased 14.2% from the week before. In Florida, 944 people were reported dead of COVID-19 in the week ending Sunday. In the week before that, it was 1,192 folks that died. A total of 3,678,661 people in Florida have tested positive coronavirus since the pandemic began. 58,803 people have died with the disease. We don't know if it's from the disease. In the United States, 45 million people have tested positive and 735,000 people have died. 
So, likely COVID patients admitted to the state last week, there were 3,181 people admitted to the hospital. This week before, there was 3,700. So, it looks like the hospitalization rates are going down substantially as well. But four weeks ago, it was 6,900. So, it's about half of what it was, less than half of what it was just four weeks ago. So, good news is, we're seeing a reduction in coronavirus cases here on the Paradise Coast and throughout Florida. Alex Berenson, I think he writes great commentary, wrote a book, short little treatise about uh, coronavirus, and uh, he writes for Substack now because he's been uh, uh, admitted from uh, uh, Twitter, lost all of his followers on Twitter, and he he writes this. I find it to be very interesting, and I I agree with what he's writing here, so I'm going to read it to you. I fear the United States is increasingly sick and what, uh, for lack of a better word, might be uh, called the soul. And I fear that our extraordinary efforts to medicalize the pain, real and psychic, of everyday life has played a crucial role in our decline, he writes. Pain is part of life. Illness is part of life. Death itself is part of life. Of course, we should do our best to challenge and defeat our maladies, to live long and prosperous, as a wise Vulcan liked to say. But to pretend that we can live without pain or illness or death is delude ourselves, and the delusion has come at an extraordinary price. Medicalizing chronic pain and then trying to treat it with opioids has caused the United States far more problems than it has solved. Turning common psychiatric conditions into diseases we don't ex- uh, that don't exist in- is doing the same, though the effects are harder to measure in the body count of opioid overdoses. Which is to say, if 10 doctors tell you it's your- in your head, maybe it's in your head, maybe you should own the fact that leaving D.C. for Connecticut and having a third kid it's stressing you out, and you're having panic attacks instead of finding the 11th will give you the diagnosis you prefer. Just like I own the fact that my own my back is a ruin because I won't find the time to strengthen my abs, he writes. But huge and growing segments of the healthcare industry now validate and even valorize, valorize these choices, and to profit from our discomfort along the way, make no mistake, industry is the word that fits. They tell us We don't need to face our pain head-on, that health and happiness can be ours with the right pill or injection. And then he writes, in that that context, which I think the context is absolutely right on, our response to COVID has exposed the dangers of this hyper-medicalization, even if it has worsened them. We have been profoundly dishonest about the real risks of SARS-CoV-2, and the fact that it poses no serious dangers to healthy working-age adults, most much less children, which is one reason the long COVID drums beat so loud that they are desperate to, at desperate to a, in an effort to scare people who have mild cases and can't trust understand the fuss. And so our leaders have twisted the United States inside out for two years. They're now so profoundly dishonest that they would rather force healthy teenagers to take injections of mRNA and have already been proven dangerous to them, that encourage morbidity, morbidly obese people to consider risks of their weight. Of course, corporate America, medical and non, happily play along. Our inability to tell the truth or even look into the general direction is actually killing us. Maybe it's time to start? I think it is. He's absolutely right about this. This has all been taken out of context and way overblown, in my opinion. Sure, it's, uh, there's been people who've died from COVID, most of the people that have died have been with COVID, had, had other comorbidities, uh, <clears throat> but our respective is pretty, pretty sad state of affairs, and we need to get back on a healthy track, in my opinion. So meet Ray Epps, the fe- federal protected provocateur who appears to have led the very first what, January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Now, Darren Beatty is the uh, writer, the owner, publisher of Revolver News, and this is absolutely uh, a news-breaking uh, article that he's written here. He, uh, It's very long, and I can't read you the whole thing, but to get just cut to the chase of this whole thing, Ray Epps is a guy who went into town on the 5th and tell, started telling people they need to charge the, the Capitol. They need to go to the Capitol and uh, need to break into the Capitol. That was his message. And it's on video. I'm not making this up, and neither is Darren. And uh, he he went around and uh, told people this is the thing that they needed to do on the 6th after and uh, during the uh, 
speech that uh, Trump was giving on the Capitol grounds. <clears throat> well, it turns out that uh, uh, he was on the uh, top wanted list for the FBI in the top 20 with hundreds of people on the list, but he was in the top 20. But it turns out that he's disappeared off of the list. And the point is that uh, he looks very much and very suspiciously like a, uh, an informant or somebody who's cooperating with the FBI. It looks like this whole thing was staged. And Darren Beatty has uh, provided the proof of it. You can find out more by reading his column. Go to revolvernews.com. Revolver News, I'm sorry. Revolver News. Revolver.news. I'll get it right. Revolver.news. Uh, that's the website to uh, read this most impressive article. It's the very first one on the page. You can't miss it. It's certainly worth the read. It's a couple thousand words, but it gives all the evidence that demonstrates the FBI and informants were behind this entire thing on January the 6th. It's all been orchestrated, in my opinion, and in the opinion of uh, Darren uh, Beatty. He shows the proof. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples. Longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board, and I hope you'll check out the website. Find out about uh, programs like creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. The website is thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Big day last week. I forgot whether it was uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, which day it was, but uh, a lot of pomp and circumstance to anoint you <laughs> as the new president of the Senate next uh, term. Yeah, it was uh, It was quite a day. Uh, yeah, I... 
I, you know me, I don't like all that attention, but it's something that is important for for the poly, the, the, the whole procedure. And um, so the Republican caucus met last Tuesday afternoon and uh, unanimous, unanimously voted for me to be the president uh, starting right after the election next year. And uh, what's really uh, amazing, and I, you know, when, you, when you're in going through that and it's just the emotions are high and whatever, and you're in the chamber with a lot of people, former presidents, the governor, the cabinet. Um, and I'm the third woman president in the history of the state. And yeah. the last one was Tony Jennings 20 years ago. And so, you know, I have to, I keep thinking about that and, and what kind of legacy that I'm going to uh, need to, to leave, particularly for, you know, younger women and girls that are coming up uh, after me. They're very exciting. And plus my dad flew up and he's 90. 98, he'll be 99 in January, so we had to get him up there, and that was kind of kind of uh, exciting as well. Oh, congratulations to you. We just under, underscored the fact that actually got elected unanimously to be president of the Senate, which I think is a really big deal. Again, only the third woman in the history of the uh, Florida Senate to be chosen for that position and elected into that position. So uh, congratulations to you. How did your speech go? Thank you. Well, it actually went very well. I took a, uh, a broad approach because, first of all, uh, President Simpson still has one more session, one more year, and obviously I don't want to start talking about things that I want to accomplish because uh, we're working together on a lot of things, and, I, you know, when it's his turn now. Um, and, I, you know, I sort of did some historical uh, perspective. Uh, you'll get a kick out of this. I had um, My daughter had sent me uh, a letter that had been reprinted in the, in the Kentucky Journal or something this year that was written in eighteen in the eighteen eighties in Naples by a visitor from Kentucky and he talked about uh, Naples in the eighteen eighties and how and some of the things he was uh, referring to which is fabulous, you know, the, the 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 fruits, the vegetables, the beaches, the how exciting it was that they had two schools and a Sunday school and you know and a library and uh, and I talked about um, the, the the Florida dream and how you know we're, it's alive and well and we are doing everything we can to to keep the state growing economically and at the same time protecting our natural resources and then I contrasted it with the California dream which is unfortunately dying yeah uh, because of their bad policy so I think it went over well and I talked about working together collaboratively you know I I want us to continue to do the things that we're doing now. And most of the things we're doing in terms of um, for our, 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 our residents and our visitors and our businesses and um, the economy in, in the same time with regard to, um, to keeping our, our natural beauty are things that are not uh, Republican-Democrat. They're Florida issues, and if we're fighting, we won't be able to accomplish them. So those are the kind of things that I want to f- focus on, and I did, and I think it went over well. Well, that's fantastic. So very happy for you, and uh, I think it's going to be a great term for you uh, with the elections coming up. Of course, I think it, my, my opinion is I think we're going to even expand the uh, majority in I agree. Republicans. I so, agree. With your help. I agree. <laughs> and, and, you know, that will be helpful for us in Florida, too, because if we, uh, you know, we have, tw- we have 24 Republican senators out of 40, and I'd like to be able to not only bring back 24, but come back with 25, giving us a healthy majority so that, you know, it'll be a, a lot more seamless as we get po- good policy done. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to change the topic to uh, our new Surgeon General that's uh, serving currently, a little bit of a dust-up up in Tallahassee with one of the uh, state senators and uh the background is apparently she has breast cancer and uh, asked him to wear a mask. He uh, turned down. The, he said, let's go outside. We can have a conversation outside, re- 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 preferring not to put on a mask. Didn't end well. And uh, unfortunate circumstances, I just thought I'd get your thoughts on, on what happened. Well, you know, you have to look at the totality of the circumstances. Let's uh, put aside, uh, the you know, whatever his uh, his philosophy is on on masking or non-masking, because that's not relevant to this event. The event was he called the senator and asked for a meeting, and as he is doing with all the senators, because as you know, we it is our uh, responsibility to confirm the governor's appointees. Um, and so he set up the meeting 
in her office, and when he and he probably should have uh, looked into more carefully what our policies are. Our policies in the Senate are: if you're visiting a senator, they can set ru- the rules for those those meetings because that's the way that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, when he came to see me, I obviously I, I don't have any medical issues. <clears throat> I didn't ask him to wear a mask, nor did I wear one. But when he got to her office, she said, "I have serious medical conditions. I pr- uh, please put on a mask." He refused. Now, that's where it went south. What he should have done is, is said, look, uh, I appreciate your medical condition. I'll, I'll leave and let's do a phone call or a Zoom call or whatever. But he went and he kind of dug in and made a very snarky comment, which was totally unprofessional, mm. particularly when he was seeking her uh, vote for confirmation. So, of course, that set off all the Democrats who not one of them will vote to confirm him because of the way he treated her to the point where the president had to even send a memo out saying, we treat each other with civility and decorum. Frankly, it all comes down to etiquette. Mm-hmm. I don't, it doesn't matter what his philosophy is. He should, he, he, you just don't treat someone like that, right. uh, especially somebody who you want to confirm. So I think he made a mistake. And whether it was a setup or not, we don't know any of those facts, but he came out um, on the wrong end. And I don't know what's going to happen. Um, maybe he should apologize to her. I don't know. Uh, uh, I'll point, point out she's a Republican, so it's not like uh, she, he, she was uh, part of the opposition. She may have decided she didn't want to vote for him, but certainly it wasn't based on uh, the politics no. of the situation. No, because she, uh, you know, and the thing about it is, it, it's not a, a, a it's not a, a political thing. It's really just common etiquette. Yeah. If you make an appointment to see someone in their office, you don't say, "Oh, by the way, let's go outside." She didn't want to do that. He should have been gracious and said, "Okay, let's just do a Zoom call," because that's what anyone would have done. You kind of, it's all honestly, it's all about etiquette. Well, and it's. And it's also uh, about it's also a little bit about uh, empathy as well. I mean, I've been in circumstances. Yes. I, I don't like right. to wear a mask ever, and uh, I walked in and uh, to a, a packaging place, and she said, uh, "You know, I prefer you to wear a mask because of my circumstances, my physical condition." I I put on a mask, uh, but it was exactly. out of em- out of empathy for her. I didn't. I know the mask. Exactly. The mask yeah. isn't going to do one do her or me one bit of good, but irrespective, I mean, just as a courtesy. To her. Exactly. It's all a courtesy, and, and I think that's what most people are looking at, at at it. And I think he just did overstep, and maybe he didn't appreciate the fact that, first of all, <laughs> you know, the Surgeon General is is a um, appointee of the governor, part of the uh, the executive branch. We're the legislative branch. We're not, you know, on the same footing, and, and he probably should have been a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, circumspect in his. Do you think he'll get confirmed? I do hope he's apologized. Do you I, think? I don't know if he has or not. Do you think he'll be confirmed? I don't know. Um, you know, we have to call him up. He, the way our rules are, uh, they, they have two sessions to uh, go through the confirmation process. So I don't know. I haven't talked to the president. It's, that's a decision of the president. Hmm. Interesting. Kathleen Pasadomo, again, our state senator. Well, again, I just uh, enter a call with uh, congratulations to you. Just very proud of you thank here you. representing the Paradise Coast and all of your achievements at the state senate. Congratulations, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, going to visit with Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo, that, and more right here on the Bob Harden Show and the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. 
Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, building that performing arts center in downtown Naples. I'm so proud. Served as board chairman for 15 years and so proud of what uh, we're accomplishing at, at Golf Shore Playhouse. I hope you check out the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Um, Bob, i got to tell you, we talked about this last week and about toy brands Mm -hmm. taking on bias, and uh, now I find, and it, I'm so thunderstruck by all of this mm. that I, I cannot believe that in California they're saying, you know, it's going to be, uh, they're pushing for it. Uh, in government, again, is overstepping its role. It should be a business deciding this, not the government deciding how Target wants to, and Mattel want to display their their toy aisles, but then parents are saying, um, like, my child is much more nuanced about gender. Well, what does that mean? A kid is nuanced about gender? Well, apparently... You know, aren't we overdoing this? I think so, Boo. I mean, uh, the, uh, the, the gender spectrum, I guess, is the new phrase right now, <laughs> is that kids... I don't know, Boo. It's so confusing and it's so upsetting, quite frankly. I don't know if you've ever seen any comedy by Dave Chappelle. No. Uh, well, I encourage you to go. Uh, I had a, took a bike ride with my medical doctor, with a, my uh, orthopedic surgeon, and he suggested I take a look at uh, Dave Chappelle's video on YouTube. And I, I looked at it, and he makes he makes some comments about some of the stuff. So it's a little, you know, he's, of course, the uh, bad language is in there, but irrespective, it's just very, very funny and right on when it comes to this topic. So I just pass it on to our listeners and to you, Boo. But uh, to me, it makes absolutely, there are two genders, you know, this male and female. That's the way God made us. That's the way it is, and I don't care what you do and what you're trying to teach or how woke you are. It all comes down to that. Well, and I feel sorry for kids. I mean, they say that, well, that when you gender things or toys, that we send a message of exclusivity. I don't think so. Hmm. I think the kids want to go out and play. They don't care if they're playing with <coughs> uh, a pink G.I. Joe truck. Kids, you know, they want to play with toys. They're not thinking, oh, is it a boy toy or a girl toy? I just, it's just, there's no more Mr. in the Mr. Potato Head. I know. Because that's a gender bias. You know, Boo, when I was a kid, we used to go out in the woods, which is down, I can envision right now, walking down the street and going into the woods, and uh, we'd find sticks and pretend like they're guns and have gun battles, you know? I mean, it was, <laughs> they we're a lot more creative with just little things that we could uh, do to have fun together. 
as opposed to right now having gender neutral gen- uh, it's just incredible yeah now mattel has a gender inclusive doll i don't even know what a gender inclusive doll is i don't either i'll tell you i think we need to go to a toy store or go to the toy aisle and see what this is all about now on a different note hmm. hertz rent a car which is Big business in our backyard in Naples. Sure. You know that they just bought, put an order in for 100,000 Teslas? You know, I saw the headline. 100,000. That is the largest ever purchase of electric cars. Now, here's, here's what I, I'm wondering. People rent a car, and usually it's just to go around town. They're going to go make a business visit, that kind of thing. But sometimes you can take that car on the road for uh, a long period of time or long distance. It takes a while to get that thing refueled, doesn't it? I don't own a Tesla, but I know people that do. And some, I guess the fueling stations that are made for that are a little faster than uh, just plugging it into the wall. But that's a, it seems to me there's a certain liability when you rent one of those things. You've got to plan on the fact that you've got to refuel it. Right, which takes me out of that uh, <laughs> yeah. area. Yeah. But my question is, Hertz filed for bankruptcy protection last year. Yep. So how can they turn around and make a $4 billion purchase of Teslas? Well, what happens is uh, the purpose of uh, bankruptcy is to go through your organization, get to the point where you can back on your feet and you can start making business decisions again. When, you, when you're in a state that, that you've got to go through bankruptcy, usually your choices are pretty darn limited in terms of what you can do. So the judge decides, you know, who you have to pay, how much, what percentage you have to pay, and so forth. And finally, then you're back in, in the position where you can start making decisions. Now, whether uh, Tesla thought that uh, Hertz had the credit worthiness to uh, purchase 100,000 vehicles, that's one thing. I mean, certainly that was their decision, but uh, I don't even know if they did it on credit. I imagine they did. I, I would imagine they took out a loan to do it. Well, think what that's done to the stock prices of Tesla. Yeah. It's up over 1000 yeah. bucks now. Uh, I just It just seems that when you see in a sentence uh, bankruptcy and then and yet they bought $4 billion worth of cars, it seems, well, that seems kind of strange. But, you know, I know what you're saying. What a bounce back. Yeah, but it, it, on, the, on one hand, it's, I guess it's maybe innovative. A lot of people would. It's also good for Tesla. I would imagine that people get in, they run a Tesla, they say, hey, this is pretty darn cool. I think I'll buy one of these things, too. So it's, a, it's almost like a showroom for a Tesla. Uh, maybe they got a good price as a result. A discount price for volume purchasing? Volume purchasing, but also, I mean, it, it becomes actually uh, ultimately one of their showrooms, doesn't it? People run a Tesla, they've never driven one, they go out to have fun with it and say, hey, this is pretty, I'm going to buy one. See, I have the same hang-ups that you do. I think a Tesla is a really cool car. Yeah. And But somehow I'm old-fashioned. I see the fuel gauge go down, and I think, oh! I gotta go get gas. Yeah. Now there are a zillion gas stations everywhere, so yes, you don't think twice about it. But where you have to go to a charging station, yeah. that gives me a greater level of it because there are not many of them. Yeah, that's right. And like, say, I drive over to Fort Lauderdale a lot. So let's say I get over there on one charge, but I've got to then I got to find a charging station over in Fort Lauderdale to get back home. Yeah, I will say I this. Don't, I have a good friend that has has one, and he drives up to uh, uh, northern Florida frequently, and he has no problem. I guess it's because he understands and, and maps out where stuff is. He knows how to get uh, get refueled when he needs it. So that's probably part of the process of owning one. I must say I own a hybrid car, uh, a Lexus, which I really love. I love the peppiness and the whole notion of the electric aspect of it, but I certainly enjoy having the carbon-based fuel backup of uh, a gas tank. Yeah, it gives you security. Absolutely. <coughs> well, but Maybe we're too old. May, I mean, and I hope we've worked through the issues about uh, electric cars <laughs> and gender-neutral dolls. <laughs> no, we have not worked out the issue of the gender toys. Well, if you're going to go on a road trip... It's here to stay. Yeah. I just think it's nuts. It but, is nuts. Um, but if you do make a trip to the toy store, I would appreciate some feedback on next week's show. 
I'll do that. All right. And I'll head off to Walmart. All right, Boo, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. You have a great week. Thank you, Boo. All right, coming up, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden, my wife. She writes Greetings from Paradise. Right now we have with us the president and founder of Less Government, Seton Motley. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seaton. Tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's been a while. Yeah, well, it's going in the wrong direction right now, but hopefully we'll somehow retrieve uh, the remnants and you know, go on in a path of uh, limited government would be wonderful. You have a great cause, Seaton. So listen, you hit the nail on the head with your latest piece. I think this is terrific. Greenwash, the U.S. is the only country actually engaged in economic suicide. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I drew a parallel between the, you know, w- w- the last two years, which is w- we've been told there's a global cataclysmic virus uh, pandemic, and we need to stay at home and lock down at home and wear masks everywhere, and except the people who are telling us to do that aren't locking down at all and aren't wearing masks anywhere. And likewise, for decades now, we've been told there's a global climate pandemic, uh, cataclysmic event happening, and we've got to stop using combustion engines, and we've got we've to reduce our economic activity and, and shrink our economies, except the people telling us to do that are flying around on private jets, and buying waterfront properties that are worth tens of millions of dollars when they tell us the oceans are rising. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, it's just the hypocrisy, the blatant hypocrisy of these people. Seton, Seton, and Seton, look, AOC says we have 12 years until the world's going to end because of right. climate change. And, by the way, it's like the fifth <laughs> year-specific threat we've been told about. <laughs> and they've all been wrong, of course, you know. Um 
Paul Ehrlich said we're going to be out of everything in the nineteen, you know, in the seventies. He said we'd be out of everything in the nineteen eighties. Right. And a guy named Julian Simon bet him. Yeah. And he said, "Okay, pick a year." You know, I don't remember the specific details, but he said, "Pick a year. Pick you pick five things. You know, minerals, whatever. And I'll bet you there's more of them." At the end of our bet, you know, but the end of, and and the, and and Ehrlich had to pay up halfway through the bet because they'd already found, you know, un, untold caches of of minerals right. of these things. Yeah. I mean, the, the 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 climate freaks have been wrong for fifty years. Sure. So so now we've got Biden and the world's leaders about to get on private jets and fly to fabulous hotels and meals that we're paying for, in Glasgow, Scotland, for the United Nations climate thing. Except, and Biden's got John Kerry going around the planet, cajoling countries to make pledges they don't about cutting emissions that they never plan on keeping. Oh, and by the way, the emissions they're cutting is carbon dioxide, which is not a pollutant. In fact, it's what feeds every green thing on the planet. Right. And we're going to cut these things in the name of tree-hugging. Um, so they, they've made, you know, all these countries have made promises before. They never come anywhere close to keeping them. Um, you, you know, uh, me, meanwhile, the, the, the big four economies in the world are obviously us, China, India, and Russia. Those are the four. The, you know, if, 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 if those four aren't going to play this stupid game, there's no point in having the stupid game. Well, <laughs> Russia's not going to Glasgow. He's going to appear virtually, and and China's not going to go yeah. uh, to Glasgow. India wasn't going to go to Glasgow, except they got caught what they call what the left calls greenwashing. They they were they were scrubbing their records of what they were actually going to the the the, the carbon they were going to the emissions they were going to actually put out versus what they said they were going to put out. Uh. They were caught. Bunching the records, so now they're going to have to sh- probably show up and do a mea culpa for fudging the records. <laughs> Otherwise, they wouldn't have shown up. Yeah. So the only one of the four that was going to show up initially was us. And you know, domestically, we're the only ones committing suicide. You know, China's building coal fire plants. Right. Uh, India's building fire coal coal plants. Uh, Russia's building coal plants. Of course, Russia is almost solely reliant on selling oil. Right. That's their only income, basically. Um, the, the biggest three clients for Iran's oil are China, India, and Russia. I mean, the whole thing's absurd. Yes, it is. You know, meanwhile, we've got an international energy shortage at the moment, right now, which is just a tiny little fraction of a taste of what the environmentalists want us to, to intentionally do permanently. Yeah. It's just... And everyone's freaking out and going, you know, and natural gas is three times its value and because natural gas is the, is the common backup for all the fake energy sources like wind and solar and all that. And, and, and we're getting a tiny little fraction of a taste of what they want to do to us permanently. And everyone's freaking out and says it's terrible, it's awful, it tastes terrible. And and so this whole thing is it and of course carbon dioxide's not a pollutant. The Supreme Court decision notwithstanding, those nine renowned sci- scientists in gowns. Right. Um carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. They they pick that to allegedly regulate because that's the you know, we, we did carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide's a pollutant, it was a tiny little a uh, problem we we dealt with that decades ago. You know, it's just like any other, you know, leftist cause. They have to keep moving the goalposts because we fix whatever they talk about initially, and their their reason to exist goes away. Absolutely, so they have to come up with a new reason to exist. Absolutely, banning carbon dioxide is moronic. It's, it's just stupid. In fact, and this is where we are. In fact, if you expand the level of carbon dioxide on the planet, it'll be actually become more lush and green as it'll a result. It'll be greener. Absolutely. It'll be greener. You know, as I say, if you if you're a tree hugger, don't hate, respirate. Absolutely. Um, but you mentioned John Kerry. I mean, he, I just can't help but think of the one word that comes to mind when you mention his name is bloviate. He just is. Oh, <laughs> he is. <laughs> he's awful. You know, first of all, he's. He, 
I never served in the military. I respect tremendously those who did. Right. And for him to do what he did after right. Vietnam, where he got three of the cheapest Purple Hearts in the history of Purple Hearts, um, and then come back and throw his fellow lie in an attempt to throw his fellow soldiers under the bus about what was going on in Vietnam, he has zero honor, zero dignity, and, and he's just a complete... He's a horrible, horrible human being. Um, I would put him down at the level of Fauci testing beagles. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Seaton, so, in the. F- yeah, I just. This whole thing is just a. Comp- Absolutely. Uh, Seaton, are you there? I think we lost Seaton, but in any event, I just wanted to thank Seaton for his contribution to the show. Again, Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. LessGovernment.org is the website. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Linda Harden. She is my wife. She also writes Greetings from Paradise. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. We have with us the lovely Linda Harden, my wife. She's also the author of Greetings from Paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. You know, um, interesting that you bring up Greetings from Paradise. When I was out walking yesterday, a Bay Colony neighbor stopped me and said, are are you going to continue writing. And I said, you know what? There's nothing to talk about right now. There's nothing new happening. Everything is still kind of in a quagmire because of this pandemic nonsense. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see um, going forward where Greetings from Paradise goes. Well, I, yeah, my hope is you'll continue to write, uh, write it. What, one of the nice things that you do is you write it when you feel inspired to do so. And so you don't have to write it when nothing's going on. But when things start to happen, well, I hope you'll continue your efforts because people really do enjoy it thank you honey yeah absolutely so i've got a number of things to talk about but i understand you got some interesting information about uh, of course uh uh the buccaneers the buccaneers football game uh uh, that was so cool by the way yeah and tom brady threw his 600 touchdown pass and um evans mike was it mike evans i can't remember the 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 receiver yeah Um, tight end yeah Pardon? Tight end. Tight end. He he ran into the crowd and gave football to a Bucks fan. And after the fact, that was not a, such a good idea because 
eventually that's going to be worth a lot of money and whatever. So the Bucks, well, they came in and got the football back, and he was very um, nice to give it back. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been awesome as far as um, paying him back for being so nice about it. And not only did they initially give him a couple of Tom Brady signed jerseys, one for him and one for the guy who brought him to the game, who had the tickets to the game, gave him a, a signed helmet, gave him uh, Mike Evans' cleats signed. Wow. Then, then they contacted him um, by phone and they gave him season tickets not only to the rest of this year, but next year. Oh, wow, my goodness. That is just. It was fancy. so. It gave me goosebumps because they were just. And, and the guy was on Fox and Friends this morning. He just. He was just over the moon. And then at on Monday Night Football last night, Tom Brady, you know, ESPN has the the um, game on. And then they have on ESPN2, they have the game with Peyton and Eli Manning. And Tom Brady was was on there and uh, mentioned this guy's name. That's so, so cool. So the guy was just over the moon by everything. He said they didn't need to do all that, but it was, it was just so very cool. How about Tom Brady after the game going up to this child? Who had just uh, recovered from cancer, and uh, well, he was holding a sign that said, "Tom Brady helped me beat brain cancer." Isn't that cool? And so Tom Brady goes over and gives gives this little boy his hat, and and then shakes his hand. And the little boy was so overcome with emotion, he just couldn't get over it. It gives me goosebumps just to talk. Yeah, about absolutely. It. Tom Brady's a first class guy, and uh, he's and the greatest of all time. And the greatest <laughs> of all time, six hundred touchdown passes, just inconceivable that he didn't make. And that you happen. know what was so amazing about that too? I mean, I'm applauding Mike Evans for being for being I think it's, uh, for being the recipient, but he did it without Gronk. Yeah, and without Antonio Brown, both I were know. out. Yeah, yeah, he's having a great season. I think they're six and one now, five and one, six and one. Uh, so uh, they've they're going to be they're going to be outstanding, no question this year. If they get there, they'd like to get Antonio Brown and some of these other players back. Now that said, I, I, you know uh, this 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 is a big deal. What's happening on Revolver News, Darren Beatty's uh, website? This major exclusive offer about Meet Ray Epps, the Fed protected provocateur, who appears to have led the way the very first one uh, January first attack. This is a big deal. I mean, it's pretty clear that this guy was trying to stir up the masses and trying to get them to go up to the Capitol and, and break into the Capitol. Well, it was so amazing, and we watched it on Tucker last night. But, oh, by the way, and I would encourage your listeners again to uh, go to warroom.org, download that, that uh, podcast, or watch it live on Real American News or Rumble, um, because Steve Bannon broke this story first with yeah. Darren Beatty on Revolver.News. And it's so amazing because um, this this January sixth committee is doing its best to throw Republicans under the bus, and and but they uh, started it. They, the all- Fed started it, and and oh by the way, when this guy was was out uh, stirring up the crowd, he was doing it the night before right. on January fifth, and even the people who were there were to, booing him, and they were calling him. He, he was Feds, Feds, Feds. They were calling him one of the Feds, and it's just. They, the, the, the Democrats and all these people who are trying to throw MAGA and uh, the Republicans under the bus for this, they can't stop this. Revolver News just blew the lid off the January I mean, 6th investigation. I mean, it's so funny that, that this guy, Epps, turns out to be one of the top, top 20 most wanted on the FBI list. It, it turns out that once that this uh, column was published, or at least the news was broken about uh, discovering all this, he totally disappeared from the most wanted list. He definitely is informant or cooperating, cooperating with the FBI. And, and they provoked this entire thing. How about the guy from Proud Boys, the guy that founded Proud Boys? He apparently was supposed to be one of the uh, instigators of this thing, and he never got charged with any crimes. Guess, guess, guess who's second in command to this Proud Boys guy? Epps. Epps. Yeah. Epps they go, apparently second. they had a relationship. It goes back. Well, just like Jack Posobiec posted on uh, social media yesterday, you know, if you want to find out really about who started this uh, January 6th, quote-unquote, insurrection, you might want to subpoena uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray. Uh, good idea. Christopher Wray. Now, they've got subpoenas in for uh, Steve Bannon for the President of the United States and all this. Oh, and they held him in contempt because Steve Steve Bannon basically told him to walk west till they're half closed, I know. It's, it's kind of interesting. So the uh, point being is that the Democrats are continuing to, to try and run with this whole 
uh, insurrection. And they're falling flat on their faces because it's going nowhere. Well, at least not in the, the circles that we're traveling, for sure. Nobody's believing this. Everybody understands that. And, and all the evidence is there that this is totally orchestrated by the FBI. It's all fabricated and uh, in order for political points at, at some tremendous expense. Can you imagine what it costs to put that fence up around the Capitol? You know, what's so amazing to me is that the Democrats and the liberals don't have enough uh, pluses in their column that they have to still persecute Donald Trump and all of his supporters. That's what this is. Donald Trump is living rent-free in the minds of Nancy Pelosi, um, uh, Lynn Cheney, all these people who just, they're just... Just think about it. I mean, the, uh, if the Democrats had something to offer the American people, they can offer it instead of playing all these political dirty tricks. Uh, if they could offer, you know, a better uh, way of life, uh, more income, a more, uh, you know... Uh, uh, better job opportunities and so forth. These are the things that Americans want, but instead they're offering them uh, a couple of million uh, illegal immigrants, immigrants coming into town, uh, opioids coming across the border, inflation. You go through, down the list, and that's what they're offering. So they resort to these dirty tricks. They're trying to gain political capital by cheating. Well, you know what's so, what's so pathetic, too, is that they, they are counting on the fact, the, their, their baseless fact, <clears throat> excuse me, that the American people are stupid. Yeah. And, and by, by the looks of the protest in New York City yesterday of all those uh, city workers that marched with a big American flag across the Brooklyn Bridge to oppose the mandates, we're saying, there's a song by um, Twisted Sister. I, mean, I don't know if you remember Twisted Sister. No, I don't remember Twisted Sister. But there's a song that says, uh, that they made famous called, We're Not Gonna Take It Anymore. And that's what people are saying. We're not going to take this anymore. Yeah, and and it's not that these people that protested in in uh, New York City yesterday they're not against vaccines necessarily. They're against being ordered by the government. By the government, and they're saying we're not going to take it anymore. Well, hopefully this will get to some high federal courts, maybe the Supreme Court, because this entire mandate business, these vaccine mandates, are totally illegal, unconstitutional. Uh, uh, in terms of people, should have the right to determine what they're going to put in their bodies, not the government. Wait, let's see. When you when you um, want an abortion to kill a baby, it's my body, my choice. But it's not the same case where um, a vaccine with fetal tissue yeah. is being shoved into your arm. That's not the same, really? Yeah, it's just uh, unbelievable. Well, in any event, it's great to see that uh, Darren Beatty, keep this uh, name in mind, if you haven't visited Revolver.News, Revolver.News, it's worth the visit and read the exclusive column that leads off the page. It's called uh, Meet Ray Epps, the Fed-Protected Provocateur, who appears to have led the very first January 1st attack on the U.S. Capitol. Really worth the read. If you can, if, if you can do that on your, on your site, maybe you could post that. That oh, that's on, an interesting idea on your site because it really needs you know that's what steve bannon does all the time he, he he pushes an article like with darren Beatty, and he puts it up on all the social media all right folks it's, it, you heard it here first we're going to actually post it on my website you just check out correct me if i'm wrong and you'll find uh, this article on my website by the way i i would encourage people too um if you can to to uh Log on to Revolver.News and sign up for their updates yeah. because they are all just amazing pieces of, of Darren Beatty, breaking news. Uh, Darren Beatty is really outstanding. Linda, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we'll have Bob Levy back, our weekly guest. We'll be talking about uh, inequality. He's the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and uh, author of many books. He's got a new book coming out about uh, outer space and uh, his ex experiences with Buzz Aldrin. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks 
so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.